Hello and welcome to Spawned, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase and I'm one of the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. Liz is not with us for this episode and she is going to be so upset because she loves podcasts, she loves improv, she loves story pirates, but fear not, she will be back with us next week. On today's episode of Spawn, we're going to be discussing how to foster creativity and imagination in kids with two very special guests, a husband and wife team. We've had two other husband and wife teams, and they are some of our best shows. So we have Peter McNerney, who we know from one of my son's all-time favorite podcasts, Story Pirates, and Beth Newell, who is the co-host of We Know's Parenting Podcast with Peter. And I just have to say that when my son heard that Peter was going to be on, he said, hey, mom, can you have him sign something? Which is kind of confusing since he knows that I record my podcast alone in my closet. So I'll have to deal with that later. (laughs) I can sign something for you. I just don't know how to get it to you. You'll have to mail it to me. (laughs) I'm just going to keep it. I'm signing it for you, but it's going to stay That's so tricky. He'll definitely appreciate that. Um, And anyway, as always, we will close out our show with our cool picks of the week. But first, let Let me talk a little more about our awesome guests. And you know what? My favorite part about this is that we get to A, embarrass them, and B, feel like when Liz and I are on and we introduce our guests, we always feel like we've done absolutely nothing with our lives. So let's start that process. (laughs) Peter McNerney is an actor, director, and improviser. He's best known as the co-host of the Story Pirates podcast and We Knows Parenting. I don't know if he's best known for those kinds of things, maybe, but those are his awesome (laughs) things that he does. He can be seen on High Maintenance, Search Party, and as a regular on Stuff You Should Know. And I love this. He's in a bunch of commercials where he's probably playing a dumb, lovable dad. It's sort of my type. (laughs) No typecasting at all. Not at all. (laughs) And Beth Newell is the co-founder and editor of the satirical women's magazine, Reductress. Her work has been featured in The Onion, McSweeney's, and The New Yorker. She hosts the podcast, We Knows Parenting, along with her husband, been Peter, who we just talked about, and has a decade of experience or over a decade of experience in the New York City comedy scene, is a member of the cult classic improv group Bombardo, and my favorite story and I don't even know the story, that she gave birth to her daughter in the back seat of a Honda Fit. Welcome, Peter and Beth. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having us. Okay. That should be the whole bio for both of us there. Seriously. Our daughter was born in a Poor car. Poor planners. Poor planners. But hey, listen, the best part about this is that I accidentally had my last child in my house. So I, oh I, I did make it out of the car, but I feel your pain like kind of literally <laughs> so you get it but you were you were on number four whereas i was on number two so i think you get more leeway there it was probably very fast um yeah you know what i was embarrassingly watching the kardashians at the time <laughs> and Couldn't was distracted away. somehow and forgot how often contractions come at the point where the baby starts to come out so it's really <laughs> kim kardashian's fault that i had a baby at home yeah it's kind of what it comes down to. i made the mistake of telling my husband he was in charge of timing contractions because oh I was we go. busy being in labor. And um... <laughs> okay, in my defense, you know what? We'd followed all the directions, and all the contractions the were, were not never that long. They said go at a certain amount of time, and it never happened. And then just baby. 
My husband's favorite part of the directions was where they tell the husband to rest up before I took the uh, note. <laughs> you go to the hospital. <laughs> I slept all night. There was no use. Uh, nothing I could do at the time. I love how they say that. They're like, rest yeah. up. Rest up because you're going to be standing for a while. <laughs> yeah. Especially to the husband. They're like, make sure you get your rest. You're going to be tired too. I followed all of the directions. Well, I want to <laughs> say this because I think our listeners should know that this is a parenting podcast tonight at its finest because we're all recording after our kids are in bed. So I was thinking that at any point in time, I think we can do this. It's kind of like an improv exercise. We can switch very quickly to an ASMR podcast. And then we can whisper if we hear our kids rousing. (laughs) So, because, you know, we're parents and we're very good at switching from regular talking to very quiet talking if necessary. So anyway, are you familiar with ASMR? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. It, It took me a second to remember what that was. But then, uh, then, oh, yeah. I don't know what it stands for. I just know it stands for very quiet talking or people cracking soap on camera. It's just like slowly opening <laughs> a bag of say, chips or something. Have you seen these soap cutting videos? Because they look so weird. On, on Instagram, people yes. do soap cutting now. And wow. they, it's very soothing, honestly. Yeah, everything has become ASMR, which I like. I don't really <laughs> enjoy listening to people chew, but I do enjoy watching people crackle the, um, the soap. So I guess Mm -hmm. it's just, you know, (laughs) to each her own when it comes to ASMR. Um, All right. So let's talk about storytelling. You're both consummate storytellers on stage, on your podcasts and in written form. And so I'm curious to know why you think storytelling is so powerful for kids. Well, you know, I've worked with kids for a long time, and this is true with adults, but it's extra true for kids. The visual information is always processed immediately, whereas language takes more time to take in. You have to focus on it more, translate it into meaning. Uh, And like story parts, you know, we perform mostly in schools in these auditoriums sort of designed to make it impossible to hear anything in many of them in New York City. So we've developed the sort of hyper-literalized, highly physical style of performance so that the kid in the back row who can't hear anything still is able to absorb the full story just visually. Mm-hmm. And you realize like, you know, trying to take control of an auditorium of 500 screaming kids, that the only way to do that is to be the most interesting thing in the room. And visually, that's the first information being processed. You know, anytime, you know, if you just stand up in front of your kids and you explain things to them, they're going to absorb, you know, 5% of that information. But if you explain it to them and you put your entire body into it, they're going to focus that much more. And if you can put it into a narrative, into a story and put actors on stage to actually sort of like create a narrative in it, you're giving that much more context and texture. And that gets literally just stored in more parts of a kid's brain when you're able to give them that information visually and verbally and physically. Especially if you add music and fart sounds. Mm. Yes, fart yes. sounds really drive the message home. It that, grabs those do the focus. Help. Indeed. Uh, Ode to be 10 again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so both of you are also improvisers and story pirates. You've got Bombardo and you're known for this. And I know how effective it is in reaching kids. You know, we've seen it obviously with story pirates. I've listened to it for many, many years and I actually haven't seen a show, but I've listened to them. And I think I think a lot of what comes with improv, you know, creativity and imagination and silly is also missing in family life, right? Like life is hard. It's stressful. And so I'm wondering what you both would say to parents who want to infuse that back into their lives when I've got to wake up at five to go to work. You know, you've got that 
in your mind? Yeah, we incorporate in a lot of small ways, I think, throughout the day of just trying to keep things fun and moving. But I think, you know, one of the biggest improv philosophies is yes and. And that just means saying yes to what someone gives you and then adding something additional to it. So I think, you know, with our kids, we try to pay attention to the things they respond to and use those things that they get excited about as a part of, you know, what we're trying to get done, like getting out the door. <laughs> yeah. The biggest challenge with our kids who are two and four is that, you know, anything time you try to say, we have to stop whatever you're doing right now, and we have to do this next thing. That abrupt sort of left turn is the quickest way to start a fight and a tantrum. And so in the same way that improvisers need to sort of go with the flow, we found it's most effective to meet your kids where they are in this moment. Mm -hmm. Whatever they are paying attention to, what they're focused on, that's the only place you're going to have any power. So if you want them to go over here, you have to start from where they are and you have to uh, basically yes and be like, great, this is a valid place to be. Now, oh, I'm, I'm going to guide your focus over here and uh, give you something more interesting. Kids will always go to the thing that's more interesting. Desire drives learning, and it also <laughs> drives getting your kids out the door and into their shoes. So instead of just going, no, stop, next, this, I'm stern, it's trying to go like just seeing what they're focused on right now and like joining the lens, getting in front of them in a way that validates what they're doing and then quickly going, great, okay, and I'm going to take this energy and this desire you have and just point it over here into a more productive direction. If that doesn't work, we bribe with treats. <laughs> I was going to say. It's a lot of distraction, you know, like right, where right. the and part comes in, I think, is, you know, we're getting them out the door and we're like, oh, look, the moon, what's going on over there? You know, just. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say shiny or sugary. <laughs> yeah, the same tactics that work for 500 kids in an auditorium, which you can't tell 500 kids to like, I'll wait till you get quiet. You have to be more interesting than the thing they're excited about right now. It is, it's this sleight of hand trick all the time. Just go, oh, great, you're paying attention to that. Now look at this over here at the bird. <laughs> now eat your broccoli. Parents are magicians. I used to, uh, my background is actually in music. I was a music therapist and music professor a long time ago before oh. I ended up doing a parenting website. And one of the most challenging challenging aspects of therapy, particularly with kids with disabilities, but even kids with typical functioning, it was always the transition from one activity to the next, yeah. you know, so stop, like you said, stopping something and starting something else, you know, it's, it's hard for us as adults too. It's like, no, I'll be there in a minute. Let me just finish this. I'll, I'll be with you in one second. Yeah. So I think anything that can help parents with that is super awesome. What about like, do you change up stories? Like, do you read stories from a book or do you make up stories? I feel like sometimes parents feel like we need to be reading Harry Potter at bedtime, you know, to our five-year-old. And and sometimes just like the best things are like making up ridiculous stories with your kids, right? Yeah. I mean, we mix it up a lot. So we read stories from books and then, you know, depending on how long our kids are dragging out bedtime, we might turn off the lights and then tell a made up story. And we just Oh, I have a set routine. <laughs> Mine's a little different than Beth's, but I do. There's this is this is the rules. I lay down the law. We do three books and they argue over the books, but we talk about it. And then we all get in one bed together. We read the three books and then we all get in our separate beds. The lights go out. And then we do something straight from a story pirate show. In every story pirate show, you know, we're performing stories written by kids. But at some point in the show, we also, at our live show, we do what's called a create a story, which is we then create a brand new story on the spot, getting hyper input from the kids in the audience. And the same basic format we use there, I've started doing with my kids at bedtime, where I'm like, all right, so we need a, we need a main character. What should our main character be? And then Maven, who's two, just now, we told a story, and she said a bear. 
And I go, great. And what's the name? What's a good name for a bear? And Bryn said, uh, my son goes, Bird. So I go, great. A bear named Bird. Usually they name the character Pee Pee. Yeah. I actually shut down the suggestion fart because it was getting out of hand. So <laughs> You're getting Bird really creative names, like number two. Exactly. And then Bird the bear wants something more than anything else in the world. What does he want? And Maven said, to have a nightmare. <laughs> so we started telling a story about this bear named Bird who has never had a nightmare and is trying to have one. So he goes to his turtle friend named Rabbit to ask how to have a nightmare. Um, and then from there, you start telling the story. And then when I don't know what else is next, I then just go. And then they went, hey, Bryn, where did they go? And he goes, the Apple store. And like, he didn't say that. But uh, <laughs> it's a great. You just start telling the story. And I'm like, and then where did they go? Maven, where did they go next? And what did they, what did they try? And they're on board. And now they, they jump ahead and they're telling the whole story. And then funny enough, once that's over, they're too ramped up so i literally read harry potter <laughs> to, 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 to fall asleep i was gonna say and then and you're asleep, asleep. <laughs> you fall asleep yeah. while they're yeah. still telling the story <laughs> it's it's definitely above their age but for some reason they ask for it and they listen really carefully and they fall asleep in two pages no that's great i mean i think it's great to read at above age level i'm not a reading expert but i think it's fantastic to read above their age level and you know maybe scare the crap out of some kids like mine who could never I, I read harry potter <laughs> Like, oh, there's a scary monster. But I think the idea that it can be very simple. I imagine that there are a lot of parents out there who feel intimidated by being creative or making things up because they feel like they're being judged. But isn't part of the idea that you're dealing with kids? And I mean, they're the ones, like you said, they're naming things pee-pee and they like fart noises. So if you're <laughs> yeah. going to test out any material, isn't it really on children? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a good exercise, too. I mean, I always said when I was teaching sketch and doing improv like the skills of doing improv are very applicable to other areas of your life if you can get out of your own way and just go with the flow of things it's good skills to have so it's worth trying in such a low stakes way yeah and i'd suggest for story time just set up that structure get what kind of character what are their names what do they want and then the rest of the story is all the different ways they try to get what they want and they fail and they fail and they fail till they succeed i mean isn't that part of writing it like i was trying to write a tv script and that's basically what they tell you right <laughs> isn't it yep. like your character it's the hero's journey pretty much <laughs> the hero's journey exactly, exactly. That's it. This could be the next popular TV show, children. No, I love that. <laughs> you know, like I, I have four kids. I work a lot, you know, and we're driving. My kids are at the age. You're not there yet, but you will be. We're like their sports and social lives and all these kinds of things. And I think life can really bog you down. So the more that we're able to like lighten up and laugh, you know, most of the stuff that we do as parents, like I always say, if I wasn't laughing, I'd be crying. <laughs> so the more that we can laugh, the better, because do I really need to ask you for the 1200th time to brush your teeth like it's the same thing every night you have to do it it's not a surprise but if yeah. there's a way we can laugh about it um so actually i'm taking my first improv class i've never Ooh. taken one before i'm taking one next week so do you have any advice for me what should i do what should i not do are there any faux pas that i need to avoid i think the biggest thing you can do is just try not to stress out about any of that and just go with the flow of the class they're gonna start you off slow and have specific exercises where you're told exactly what to do and it will be very easy. <laughs> yeah, I think the biggest fear that people have going into improv, like anything, it's the literally, what am I going to do? You don't know. And that is a great fear for people because you want to be good. You want to be smart. You want to be funny. And so people try, despite the whole point of it, they try as best they can to plan as much ahead 
as they can, just so they know they're like, well, at least I know what I'm going to do next. And that's the easiest way to make all of it harder is to just be so afraid about this thing that you don't know about yet. So the simplest thing is to go in and know that you have no idea. You don't know what's going to happen and you're not supposed to know. And the more that that's exciting and okay, the quicker you will find success and you will enjoy yourself. Yeah. And so much of it is just trying to react naturally in the moment. So you don't have to force anything. Yeah. Some people come in and they're like, I got to be fun. This is about being funny. And it's like, no, no, that's not how you be funny. The way you be funny and interesting is to bring your honest self to it. Sometimes it takes people a long time to realize that it's way simpler than it seems. Yeah, I'm trying not to think too much about it. And I've actually had to reschedule it a few times, which was good because I was getting a little worked up about it. And that same kind of idea of like, I've got to be funny. Yeah. But actually, it's it's not about that. It's about just being in the moment, which is interesting because yep. that's also kind of what meditation is. So it's improv meditation. Oh, oh, Ooh, yeah. This could be an interesting discussion. Mm. <laughs> oh, big time. I, I mean, I don't meditate and I don't pretend to know that much about it. But the basic tenets of it, I find that before an improv show, all I'm doing is literally just emptying my brain of mm -hmm. distractors. I'll just be backstage and just open up my ears and just try to hear all the sounds that I can. That's sort of like, you know, find a mantra just to get to neutral so that you're open and available. Yeah, I do think it's very similar. Actually, there's two improv performers named TJ and Dave who are pretty well known to nerdy improvisers. And they believe that they are channeling a show, basically, mm. like a oh. sort of a higher power situation, which I think is very similar to certain types of meditation, which is sort of like Peter just said, is clearing your head and just sort of like letting the thoughts flow in and out. Let it happen to you. Let them happen to me. Okay, I'm excited. I feel like it's just a nice break from having to tell people to put on pants. So anything <laughs> will be better than that. It's the opposite of parenting. Um, what do you two think about how technology is affecting creativity and imagination in kids? Like, is it helping? I mean, we're on a podcast. You both have podcasts. I would never have known about Story Pirates without technology. So it's obviously awesome. But I'm wondering your feelings on how it affects, you know, how kids are creating and imagining things. Is it helping them? Is it hurting them? You know, we're not super strict about things. I do have some strong opinions about technology. Uh, and in general, my kids watch a lot of TV, but I push them towards storytelling and long form content. I would much rather have them sit down and watch a full Pixar movie than like 14 short YouTube videos or any sort of touch screen. When you get into that, just like, next, next, next thing, next thing. The same way we're addicted to our phones, that unhealthy, just like, I'm I'm already thinking about the next thing. Yeah. And you're not, not absorbing what's in front of you. It, it can help and hurt. And I think it's like any other kind of addiction where, you know, like food is addictive if you're just like shoving cookies down your throat. But if you're getting like nice quality food and sitting there and having a nice meal, it's nourishing. Like, like Peter said, if a kid is on a smartphone all day long, that's going to be a problem. And that's going to become sort of mindless and draining. But I do think, you know, like we're in entertainment, we consume a lot of media and we want to be a part of media and we want our kids to grow up enjoying media. And so there's a monitoring of it and there's monitoring the quality and the amount and making sure that they're engaging with it in a positive way. And we definitely are guilty of turning on the TV and leaving the room a lot of the time because that's just the way you parent if you don't 
don't have, you know, full-time childcare every second of the day. But um, it's a trap that's easy to fall into, obviously, because we ourselves are very addicted to technology. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And for me, like the reason why I think podcasts are great. It's the opposite of a lot of media, the opposite of your phone, which is that like all these little things, next thing. Because a podcast, it's like you're spending 30 to 60 minutes with people. It's the next best thing to actually sitting and having a long, in-depth conversation with people. And uh, it's something to focus on. That's something I really encourage my kids as much as they can is to focus on a task for a long period of time. I want my kids to get bored. So if they watch like Toy Story and they get bored, that's fine. I'd rather have that than because they'll lock into YouTube videos and never stop watching. And then they get crazy. I, I know it drives me crazy. And I'm like, this is not good for their brain. Yeah. You know, we had a tech expert on a few shows ago and he referred to them as infinity pool apps. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's really what it is, right? It's just it keeps going and going. And I can't believe I became the parent who was like, please go watch TV. Like, <laughs> go watch a movie. That's I'm more than happy yeah. to have them watch like a 30 minute show. Oh yeah. As opposed to these eight minute videos. That's our whole thing is we, we let them watch so much TV. And sure, it's not great if they're indoors all day, but compared to giving them a phone, which we almost never let them touch, it's right. like so different. Cause you can see in a little kid's eyes when you give them an iPad or a phone and they start clicking around and they have that instant gratification, like spiral they go crazy so quickly yeah i know i do the same thing yeah, yeah. we all do you know i'm like checking my phone lighten it up like why why am i clicking on this there's nothing there two seconds ago <laughs> i just had a notification on facebook is it life-changing for me to see if there's another notification on facebook i don't think so yeah uh, so yeah i think we're on the boat i'm have you seen changes in kids i mean you see so many kids peter in particular you know with story pirates has the content of the stories changed over the years like do you see technology coming in, you know, in the stories that you're getting? Like, I'm curious to know how they've changed if, or if they have over the years. You've been doing it for so long. Well, I think the only thing that's changed is just the content of the stories. You know, we need it to be all original content just because on mission, we want kids own ideas. And obviously technology is such a huge part of their lives. And suddenly now, like in the last several years, uh, more than that, you know, kids are writing about memes and like YouTube videos yep. that we have to be up on. And it used to be in the beginning of Story Pirates. It's like, hey, you know, I know about Hannah Montana. Like, <laughs> I'm so cool. I know it's on Nickelodeon. <laughs> so like, great. I've got my reference level. And now I need to know how to do the floss. I just read a story that I thought was so funny and it was great, but it was these hippos that wanted to basically become this very specific kind of meme that I had never heard of. And I was like, this sounds specific. And I looked it up and I was like, this, I don't remember what it's called, but it's this very weird type of potato character <laughs> uh, that's all over the internet. And I was like, I guess this is a thing. And so trying to just keep up with that. But in terms of the work we do, it's all about being present and being together and saying yes to the moment. So the way we work is very works against sort of the smartphone instant gratification, next, next, next mentality. It's about maintaining the focus and, and drawing it out. And I have not seen that change. Like kids creativity and engagement and excitement has always been there. It's just their world has changed. You know, kids write brilliant stories and they have brilliant conclusions with not enough information. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, kids just haven't experienced enough things. So they're trying to write it beyond their experience a lot of the time. And the result is hilarious, but it's brilliant. 
So it's like the best material in the world because it's so full of comedy and we can make it funny without ever talking down to the material. So we can celebrate and honor this like brilliant kid logic and also enjoy the fact that there's something off about it. And so like whatever their world is and like technology is a much bigger part of it now, the way it comes through in their storytelling is always a gift. You know, my daughter ages ago submitted a story to the Story Pirates. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And I, I have to go. Like, she's 14 now, so it's been a while. It was like she was, gosh, it's been a while. She um, was on Mindy Thomas's show on Kids Place Live. Um, cool. And if folks, yeah, Sirius XM shout out. And that's where we discovered the Story Pirates was from listening to her show and, and Channel 78. And yeah, mm -hmm. she had submitted a story. I have to, I'm now I want to go find it and remember what it was but you always send lovely notes you know that we consider all of these and if you're in the city let us know so it's always wonderful it's worth submitting parents out there even if you don't have a child you would consider to be a writer or a storyteller it's oh, yeah. so much fun to send stories in it's exciting for, I'm, I imagine I'm just curious like what is it like to see you know you've had kids in your audience where you're performing their stories like what what is it oh, like for them well I mean you hit on so many important points like one we get you know tens of thousands of stories every single year and we have a major commitment like, to the idea that we are never looking to like pick the best or the winner it's impossible because there's right. endless number of brilliant stories even if for a kid who only has the capacity to write a single sentence we treasure that story as much as the 12 chapter story that a sixth grader sends in we return every single story that we receive with positive written feedback on it and it's part of our program we called story love mm -hmm. we have a ton of volunteers that come in to our office and just read stories and write this positive feedback for kids because we want everyone to know that the fact that they heard this show and they got excited about a bunch of people like performing stories by kids and made them realize like hey i have something to say and that I can put a pen to paper and communicate ideas to somebody who's going to take it seriously and celebrate it. Like that is an applicable life skill to anything they want to do. The idea that like, oh, I can communicate. And if nothing else, we teach kids that like this is a form of communication and it is not only valid, but it is important and it should be celebrated. So when we go into a school, you know, we do a show and probably half the stories are from kids around the country. And then half of them are brand new stories from kids at that school. And when we get to that point we go all right this next story is super special because it was written by somebody in this room everyone starts freaking out you know, they're in the fourth <laughs> grade one half of the audience starts going nuts they're in mrs mcmillan's class and then put your hands together for this kid right there and the thing that's so amazing about it it's not that like oh, that kid is having a great day. Well, they are. They're suddenly like a rock star. But the thing that I always love about it are all the kids sitting around that kid because they immediately start clapping and they'll often just like, just grab the kid whose story right, been performed right. and they're just like, I can't believe I'm sitting next to you. Isn't this amazing <laughs> that this is happening to all of us here together? Yeah, and that's if awesome. that's happening, then we have done our job. I love that. Beth, do you have story pirate envy? Like, have you done shows or wanted to do shows or do you kind of, is it like a church and state kind of thing? I have never been involved in story pirates in terms of performance, but I've worked with the organization in different capacities, like teaching writing workshops and stuff. I guess I actually, I have done some birthday parties and things where I did 
technically perform, but I haven't done what the actual story pirates do, I guess. Yeah, it's a bit more church and state. <laughs> Got it. And I'm not jealous because it's a type of performance that I am terrible at. It's just like the opposite of what makes me funny. Which Got is it. Like my, <laughs> my sense of humor is like a little more cerebral one-liners. Right. <laughs> I was going to say there's probably no subtleties happening with story pirates at all. <laughs> the subtle humor probably gets very lost <laughs> with the third graders. You have just uh, summarized story pirates perfectly. Is that zero subtlety? in story parts. That's the whole philosophy. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, like, my children have grown up with you. It's that we, like, my son listens to just a few podcasts and he listens to Wow in the World now, but Story Pirates has been a fixture in our lives for many, many years. So I'm very familiar. I love it. I think it's one of those things and there are a few out there that the whole family can enjoy. So the parents aren't wishing that the kids would turn it off and the kids are happy to listen to it for very long periods of time. So it's always fascinating and interesting and it's not just all fart noises. That should be your new tagline. It's not just all fart noises. <laughs> we do have a song called Fart Out Loud Day, but there's other non-fart related material. Wait, isn't that every day, though? <laughs> every day. Actually, <laughs> these two sisters wrote a story called Fart Out Loud Day that was very well written, and we turned it into a song, and apparently February 18th is Fart Out Loud Day, so oh, get ready to celebrate. It's calendar. a real day? Yeah, it is now. Wow. Did you make it a real day, or was it like an actual, I mean, because there's so many new days now, thanks to social media, like every day. It's like, it's it's ripped sweater day. Well, these girls wrote the story and they said it was February 18th. So we now honor oh, their okay. imaginations. And to us, it is real. I love it. Fart out loud day, February 18th. If you need a reason to celebrate and have some beans for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so just to finish up, Peter, you talked about meeting kids where they are. And I love these big takeaways for our listeners just in terms of what they can actually do if they don't have the bios that both of you have. So I'm curious if you could offer just some simple tips or tricks that parents can do. I love the story time. I love that idea, like you said, of meeting kids where they are. So either of you or both of you, I'd love to know, like, what are some things that parents can do tomorrow or when they hear this podcast that can help just bring some creativity and imagination and silliness back into their lives? I mean, I think you can just sort of find new ways to interact with your own environment. So instead of, you know, trying to buy any fancy new toys or track anything down, it's just, you know, turning your dinner into a game or turning a piece of paper into a creature, you know, mm -hmm. like anytime I think I can bring a little novelty into the day, the kids seem to respond really well to that. And they're just less difficult to be around when they feel like exciting things are happening. Yeah. That's a good point. I'll, I'll say, I mean, obviously our kids are a very specific age, so I can speak pretty confidently in how to engage with a, a four and a two-year-old. Um, <laughs> yes. That's true. My advice does not apply to your 12-year-old. <laughs> um, uh, something I have found recently that it was really effective in order to engage with your child and to engage their creativity, uh, you know, you don't need to buy them a game that does the work for them, like stuff around the house. I like to just pick up a random weird thing. And instead of going like, hey, uh, hey, hey, Bryn, what do you think of this? Like, what do we think should do? I don't ask him questions. I'll literally just pick up a weird piece of paper and I'll, and I'll be like, I wonder what this is. And I will start wondering out loud 
And I'd be like, I bet I can make this into a dinosaur. And then I don't present it as me asking or demanding anything from him. I just show him my own interest in something. And he will almost always have an opinion and be like, no, 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 this should be a lion. And then he jumps in. I'm like, all right, great. And we'll start creating or just wondering about things. So I will wonder out loud Mm. near them or towards mm-hmm. things. Or I'll be walking from the car and I'll say like, I wonder why the moon is so small tonight and just get them going. Uh, and that's part of that pointing their brain in the direction of an activity as opposed to here's what we're going to do. Here's what's happening. Right. It's just, hey, look where I am. Yeah, that works for 12 year olds, too, actually. You know that <laughs> it's because it's, it's a different kind of difficult, right, to interact with them yeah. when they're older. And I think asking them questions and wondering about things is a wonderful way <laughs> literally <laughs> to connect with them. But the problem is then you ask the question and they either know the answer or then they want you to find the answer. And you're like, OK, where's my phone so I can Google it? <laughs> yeah. I I wonder why the moon is so bright tonight. But I love this idea, and maybe I'm just making it up, but this idea of like loosening up a little and, you know, we're so structured in our days and there are times when we need to be that way. But the ability to kind of, like you said, float and move freely in and out of things, which is, like you said, very improv-based, could help Mm -hmm. bring some levity to our own lives. Maybe I'm speaking for myself, but I'm sure our listeners, um, that would resonate with them for sure. Like a little levity these days would be most welcome. So, okay, Peter, we've got the Story Pirates podcast, which folks can subscribe to right now, even while they're listening to Spawn. Yay, technology. Um, But there's a Digging Up Danger book, and you also have new live Story Pirates shows. So where can folks go to find more information? Uh, Great question. Uh, Yes, we have a series of books that have come out where we've gotten kids to submit these uh, longer plot points so we get New York Times bestselling authors to write a full novel. Uh, And our new book's called Digging Up Danger. And what's great is that the the back half is also has something called the story creation zone where as you read this story there's all these points of interest within the storytelling that leads you to the back that teaches you how to write your own story and that new book is called digging up danger that just came out we also have a brand new album called nothing is impossible featuring all of the music from our podcast oh, awesome. um, all of that can be found at storypirates.com And there's a lot of performance dates. We're going to be around the country this year. I know Minneapolis and in Texas and in D.C. and Boston, a bunch of other places. All that information at storypirates.com. Well done. And I have never seen a show. I need to get to one. I feel like when I started listening, you were only in New York, perhaps, were the only places that you could um, see. So now you're all over the place. And definitely the podcast, it's like a gateway (laughs) to your live shows. And Beth, so we want our listeners to subscribe to We Knows Pan. Parenting. Um, and where can folks find more about what you're up to? Um, you can go to reductress.com for some funny satire headlines. You can find me on Twitter at Beth New. You can go to weknowsparenting.com for all uh, more info on that wonderful show. Awesome, because our listeners love finding new podcasts, particularly parenting podcasts. So definitely subscribe to both of those. We will put all of the links to everything we talked about on Cool Mom Picks on our podcast page. So make sure to head over there for all that info. Okay, it is time for... Cool Picks of the Week! Cool Picks of the Week! Um, let's see. I'm gonna rock, paper, scissors with myself. And Beth, you win! 
Paper over rock. <laughs> what Thank do you got? You. Um, my cool pick is an app called Marco Polo, oh. which allows you to send video messages to your friends. It is my favorite. I love it. I'm glad. Great you like pick. It. Yeah, I, I love think it. it's so fun because it's hard to, you know, schedule FaceTimes, you know, when your friends are in different time zones, different locations, or your family. And this sort of allows you to play tag with each other, send video messages, but feel like you're really in each other's lives, you know? I 100% percent agree with you and I'm so glad you picked this because we actually haven't put this up on we have a tech website for parents called cool mom tech and my friend who doesn't live far from me she's like 20 minutes away but we just we're both very busy we don't have time to catch up and she's like listen get this app and I'm like Ugh, I don't need another thing and I downloaded <laughs> it and every day on my way to the office I pop it up on my little stand and I just like talk to her and I tell her what's going on and then she tells me what's going on and we feel so much more connected in our lives it's so it's nice. Awesome. I have friends in other states where I'm like, I get to see their home renovations and, you know, they're pregnant or what's going on. It's just stuff that's kind of hard to translate without sort of getting that like video reference from someone. I agree. It's great. Marco Polo app. Okay, Peter, your pick of the week. Okay, so I'm surprised that I've picked this as my pick of the week because this is a, a television show that my four-year-old loves and it first came up and I I let everybody know how much I hated the show. So I was like, <laughs> this is a dumb, this is not very good storytelling. I hate it. And then Bryn binged a whole bunch of these shows and now knows a lot of really interesting, thoughtful facts about dinosaurs. And the show is a PBS show called Dinosaur Train. Oh, that's a great show. And it is for younger kids. Yes. And I've started watching it, and it's not groundbreaking television, but it is thoughtful and interesting in a science facts learning about dinosaurs. And the way he talks about them, and he wants me to know, he's like, do you know that the uh, Beelzebufo is the biggest frog that ever lived in the Triassic period? <laughs> And I'm like, I I was so quick to judge this, and I think it's been really positive. So to give back to the show that I unfairly judged, I'm going to pick Dinosaur Train. Aw, they appreciate that. You know, like, that's an oldie but goodie, because my kids watched that when they were young. It's been around for a while, and it's held tight. I like to know that these things that were so popular with my kids are still popular with two- and four-year-olds today. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I feel like every child goes through a dinosaur faves. Oh, yeah. And this show is amazing for any child who's obsessed with dinosaurs. And if you don't have a child obsessed with dinosaurs, then they will be after watching this show. Um, I, for one second, thought you were going to do my pick of the week because you said TV show, but Ooh. then you said four-year-old and it wouldn't be appropriate <laughs> for a four-year-old because I'm picking Russian Doll. Have either of Ooh. you watched that yet? I have. I'm three <sighs> episodes in. It's really good. Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. Uh, Amy Poehler producing and writing Natasha Leone. It's so good. It's on Netflix. I got through the first one and I don't know, Beth, like what you did, but I was like kind of confused and not. I was like, how is this a comedy? I'm not sure what's going on. And then like the second episode, I don't know how you stopped. Like, how did you stop yourself from watching the rest? I'm impressed with your fortitude. I mean, like, I fortitude. just have two kids that don't <laughs> oh, let there you me go. do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Sleep. You need sleep. That's what it was. The need for sleep. I will say I love the sort of that the Groundhog Day premise of restarting <sighs> the day over and over. And later in this season of Story Pirates, I get to star in my own Groundhog Day episode. Oh. Where Peter accidentally keeps throwing his snacks off the edge of the ship and he loses his mind as the day starts over and over. 
It's my favorite premise in all of storytelling. Oh my, well, there you go. I mean, then you have to watch this. Anyway, I love it. I was at, I was a little skeptical at first, but I made it through the whole thing, and it is worth waiting for. It might even be worth losing sleep for, Beth. <laughs> but it is awesome. <laughs> I got to get to work. Um, so anyway, if you're looking for a nice, quick, it's like 30 minutes, these hour-long shows kill me when I want to watch more than one because I can't. So my pick of the week, Russian Doll, will link all of these up over on our website, Thank you so much, Beth and Peter, for joining me. What a great discussion and uh, a lot of fun. And I feel like I'm ready for my improv class. So, yeah. Yeah, Thank you so much. All right. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Spawned. Huge thanks to our engineer, John Bowen, who, as always, makes us sound like we're all having a fun party in one room and not hiding in our closets like we actually are. Liz, we miss you, but she'll be back next week. And listeners, we love hearing from you. Please, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode of Spawn. In fact, you can do it right now along with the other podcasts that were mentioned tonight, Story Pirates and We Knows Parenting. And get this. I know it sounds a little weird, but if you download or save our episodes, it actually helps other people find our podcast. And for that, we are most grateful. So anyway, thanks for listening to Spawn. This is Kristen. Have a great day. <laughs>